Hey folks, Zach Osterman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is Thursday, January 25th, 2024. Um, it's positively tropical outside. It's so foggy I can't see across my street, but it's 50 degrees, so we'll take it. He's Mike Nislick, uh, Bloomington Herald Times, and this is obviously Mind Your Banners. Mike, um, I would say it, it, we'll start with the men's team and just kind of where things are for the fact that they didn't play any games this week. It feels like a pretty important one for their season. They, they're going to have a week and a day between Wisconsin and Illinois. I don't think it's completely unfair, frankly, at this point to ask both kind of the competitive and the existential questions about this team and the direction of this, this season specifically. And we could talk, you know, wider context if, if the discussion leads that way. Um, but Indiana's, I think it's pretty fair to say, had to get some stuff really screwed on more tightly or, you know, more ordered or whatever sort of metaphor you want to use in these eight days. So they had to like fix the plane, like uh Boeing there. What was it? The, 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 the door on the plane, they had to tighten those, those lug nuts to make sure the door doesn't, doesn't fly off. I think the door flew off at least once last week, possibly twice. <laughs> um, Probably. Uh, well, I think it starts, you know, I think clearly status hangs looms large over this one i mean uh, you know him not practicing at all really until today if 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 that's you know the case um you know woodson said that he hadn't you know did light conditioning yesterday uh so it doesn't sound like he's done anything really this week yet um so he has got a couple days um you know i think that's that's kind of and you know frankly woodson talked a lot about xavier johnson today and I think those kind of are two big question marks for this one because, um, you know, I think they need both of those players uh, to win this. I, I just think they don't have enough depth right now um, to sort of uh, beat uh, a team, what Illinois is ranked number 10, um, to beat an Illinois team ranked number 10 without, um, you know, a full, full bench. I think Johnson in particular, and I guess we can – start here you know mike woodson talked a lot today about maybe johnson having to grapple with some of these injuries and i don't think he was asking anyone to excuse obviously you know some of johnson's kind of on court that the flagrant fouls in particular but it, it does lead into and i think you and i have had this discussion in different ways in recent podcasts just kind of like where things are with xavier johnson because i, I think you know by his own admission he did not expect to be here this season. You know, he thought last year was his last year. He even kind of made some comments in the preseason that suggested, you know, there was a time when he had to kind of really sit down and, and you know, um, evaluate the decision of whether or not he wanted to pursue a sixth season once he knew it was kind of on the table. Um, you know, Woodson also made the point he'd never really had these kinds of injuries that would hold him out and, um, you know, frustrate him and kind of hold him back and take him out of his rhythm as a player. Uh, until last season in his college career. And then there is obviously the the piece of this, which is a sixth-year senior captain who's had, what, two flagrant fouls in the last four games, who's really kind of struggled to find um, kind of his feet in terms of how he can impact games for his team positively on, you know, if we're talking points, assists, rebounds, et cetera, since he came back from uh, his most recent injury. It just kind of feels like if, you know, if, if Mike Woodson could just kind of unlock the best of one player for the rest of the season, you know, it it, it might be McKenzie and Baco, but it might well also be 
Xavier Johnson, not least because, as Woodson fairly points out, and I know you weren't here for this season, but, you know, Indiana doesn't make the tournament in 22 without I mean, his his play goes up to a, a first-team All-Big Ten level the last basically month of the season. Um, and to kind of hear the stories around that time, it was because Trace Jackson Davis and Xavier Johnson went to Mike Woodson and said, can you please read, let us run your ball screen offense? We think we can do it. And he said, all right, we'll try it. It worked between the two of them. That's what elevated Indiana, got them the wins they needed to go to the tournament. So the point is, you know what he can be, not just in terms of points and rebounds, but 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 what it looks like when Xavier Johnson is really kind of in a rich vein of form. But in a lot of from a lot of different directions, it feels like Indiana's fighting to find that right now. Yeah, and yeah, I was gonna say that I, you know, he what was he honorable mention Big Ten the one year? I mean, I haven't seen him play at that level really. Something, I mean, something like that. And again, I mean it was I'd have to go back and find the numbers, but he averaged something like 16 and a half points and seven assists over like the 12 or 13 games. So, I mean, it was like a, it was a, he, he was already that team's like maybe third leading scorer, but it was a pronounced jump in, in his impact and his ability. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I haven't seen that, you know, the best game he had probably this year was that Ohio state game. Um, You know, there was a brief glimpse of it. You know, you do wonder, you know, he talked about, having a crack in his foot, uh, you know, is the, is that, did he mean presently? I mean, is that, is the injury still bothering him? Um, you know, how healthy is he? And then, you know, I think is it, is it's fair to wonder now, I mean, uh, did, you know, Woodson, can, can he move him back into the starting lineup to get him going? And my question is, is if that's not an option, do you think Woodson should experiment with, not having game cups in the starting line. Yeah, I mean, this is like, I mean, this this feels kind of like like the difficult piece of this, and I think we discussed this in the last podcast of like, who would you continue to start? And it's kind of one of those where, well, because you said hand, your thing was, you know, he don't, you don't see him moving Xavier back to the starting lineup, and if that's the case now, like, I don't think this team's good enough offensively to have game cups uh, i mean to to match up against this team like illinois to to do the things it needs to do uh, you know i think cups is a good defender and i think he's a good player off the bench right now but i don't know that playing him 30 minutes 33 minutes a game is a winning formula it's just that balance of like basically you've got to you, you've got to show your whole locker room that you're going to reward you know what guys do or don't do right. like it stuff is earned not given um, I mean, it is worth saying, like, he had eight points, a couple assists, no turnovers. Nobody played particularly well at Wisconsin. I guess Malik Renew did. Um, but even then, you know, I'm not trying to listen, 28 points on the road is 28 points on the road. Um, but, you know, I think anybody who kind of played well in that game probably did so, at least to a certain extent, kind of under the umbrella of not feeling a lot of pressure because they were chasing for so much of the game. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's Xavier Johnson wasn't terrible at Wisconsin, I guess is my point. He had some good moments, I thought. So maybe you can maybe you can justify that a little bit more now. Um, Gabe Cups also wasn't terrible at Wisconsin either. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it is a delicate one because you know what Xavier Johnson can be. It's, it's clear that's still on Mike Woodson's mind. Um, in the same breath, I think you have a player that, again, is, is fighting for form right now and it feels like maybe is showing some frustration because of it. And, you know, how do you manage that? Like it's, that's kind of one of those, 
you know, there's <laughs> there's a lot of things that I, I think when when fans look at coaches or ads, they just assume those people are, are generally smarter than them. And and there are there are lots of parts of a coach's job that really are less down to being, you know, aren't as much about being more clever or or you know, adept than 99% of the population, but simply having just worked in sports for a really long yeah. time in the same way that like, you're probably a better writer than a man off the street because you've just been doing it for so long. But th- this kind of question is actually one of those things that's, that's like, th- this is, this is where the money is made is like understanding the personalities of your players, understanding the feel for your locker room, how to deal with a delicate situation with a player who's not playing well, who I, I think, you know, by his own account, probably feeling some frustration, maybe some pressure. I don't think anyone would sit here and say that he, you know, Xavier Johnson's like absolving himself of the two flagrant fouls against Rutgers and Purdue. But on the other hand, if you're Mike Woodson, you need him. And, and you know, you, you need him. And you also know that there is a path to getting him back in that frame of mind, you know, and getting him back in that both the, the mental and the physical confidence um and rhythm and so like i think this this is one of those areas where it actually is about like your talent as as a coach and and mike woodson leaning back on you know however many decades of experience you know coaching players managing locker rooms all those different kinds of things i think it's all kind of needed right now well yeah i mean a lot of times a coach is you know kind of a psychologist or you know and, and you know working with these sort of psyche of these kids and, and it can be tough because the, they are delicate um you know you didn't expect it I, I i think you probably didn't expect to be dealing with this with a six-year senior um you know co-captain and i think that's part of the problem that without him sort of locked in um you know i think you lack the leadership and the guy you know in the wisconsin game that just team looked you know kind of lost for most of it i, I thought even though they did you know kind of play better in the second half and scored a, scored a whole lot of points but um you know without sort of the the on-court leadership i just think this team's kind of rudderless it feels like at times to me especially in that first half i mean it's just like you know you you weren't in the building but um they just felt you know, almost broken a little bit and that's where i think it does lead into a wider question about this team and i think that you know, it, it does. It boils down to kind of individual questions, and, and everybody kind of having to have that conversation with themselves. But also the the wider issue with this team. I know we've we've joked about what are must wins and what aren't, but like we can sit here and just do the math. Indiana's running out of quad one opportunities. If they want to have any real sense of control of their own sort of postseason fate, um, they, they've got to take it soon. And, and if it's not, you know, Illinois on Saturday, and obviously as you said, that'll be a tough test. But if it's not Illinois Saturday. And it's going to have to be Ohio State or it's going to have to be Purdue. Like, I mean, they don't – I think the only other game they have at home that is like – the only two games they have at home that could realistically serve as quad one wins at this point are Wisconsin and Michigan State. And I don't know that those are necessarily guaranteed, but, you know, that those are the only two you could hope were kind of in that range at this point. Um, And then there's kind of the more intangible of you lost by 21 points and you, you lost ugly to your, your in-state rival and then – if that was supposed to be a gut check game, you went on the road to Wisconsin and and looked, you know, frankly, pretty limp. I mean, that was that was Indiana's worst defensive performance by virtually any metric this season. You've kind of got to find it soon or you risk maybe getting to a point where either you don't find it at all or it really doesn't matter if you find it because it's too late. And 
that is where I think, I mean, we can talk about Xavier Johnson or we can talk about senior leadership or we can talk about, you know, um, you know, how, a, you know, how Indiana uses its bench or McKenzie and Baco or whatever, like as a group, this team kind of needs to pull it together and just kind of show a certain something, or it does risk becoming one of those seasons that just sort of, you know, just sort of fizzles. And they don't have a lot of guys where they could just, you know, look to the future. I mean, this, this bench is pretty slim. I mean, the only thing, I mean, is it time, you know, you mentioned Mackenzie and Baco um, to just sort of see what he can do kind of carrying this team at this point. I mean, is there any other option? I, I, I would personally. I mean, I've advocated that. I've advocated for that to an escalating degree for a while. And I, you know, his his defensive struggles, I think, are, are pretty apparent. But you just I mean, it you feels like any... Mike, I mean, Mike Woodson's still trying to teach him lessons. And I get that. But like, it's probably time to just like run with the kid and see what you got and see if he could carry this team. Because I mean, you're you're out of time to sort of do that and try to make the tournament, I guess. No, and I think and I think he's also earned that to some extent of just kind of like, hey, listen, I mean, if we look at his big ten numbers, you know, he's 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 shooting 45% from three. Um, he's hit 75% of his free throws in Big Ten play, 84.5% overall. You know, he can stand the rebound the ball better, certainly. Um, but you just you don't have anybody else that can, you know, Malik Renew, I think, has gotten to a place where you feel like you can count on him. You know, it's it's not quite what you had with Trace Jackson Davis last season, but like I think I think Malik Renew gives you a, a, a reasonable floor in the post, and then if Kalel Ware adds to it or plays better that night, fantastic. And of course, as you said, we don't know what Ware is going to do um, in the. We don't know what Ware is going to do, or, or whether Ware is going to be available rather on Saturday. But you know, Renew had 28 points against Wisconsin, only eight against Purdue, but 16 against Minnesota, 13 at Rutgers, 23 against Ohio State you know, 14 against Nebraska, like it, it just kind of feels like he gives you a bit of a baseline inside. And particularly if you can kind of pair him to Kalel Ware. Um, but Mbako just does things for you offensively from the perimeter in that just nobody else does. And, you know, his ability to draw contact while um, attacking the rim, I think he's getting better off the dribble. You know, he's not quite a three level scorer, but he's certainly the closest thing this team has um, you know, about the only thing that really I think holds it back is foul trouble. Like that's it, like that's something Mike Woodson kind of can't control. Like in the sense of, and this was, you know, Malik Renew was this way a little bit last year, where um, you know, he just I think Mike Woodson wanted him to wanted to play him more at times, and Renew just kind of couldn't stay out of foul trouble. He averaged 6.8 fouls per 40 minutes, 7.9 in Big Ten play. There were nights where he would just, you know, he'd he'd pick up his second foul. 35 feet from the basket. And there's just sort of, well, the coach can only do so much about that because there's no way Mike Woodson's not trying to get him to stop doing that kind of stuff. But as long as McKenzie and Baco can stay out of foul trouble, I, I, yeah, I think you're kind of in a place where you just sort of need to run with it. And, and that allows you to pare down your guard rotation a little bit, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Cause I think right now you're kind of in a place where you've, you've got, you know, four guards that you trust. Um, and that, you know, that allows you to be a little bit tighter with those those one and two spots if you're playing Mbako a lot more at the three. Um, I don't know that, you know, and I'm not trying to pick on Caleb Banks, but I, Banks really hasn't developed at that position in a way. Well, he's been out I of think, the rotation the last two I think I think really just commands the minutes to sort of take them away from McKenzie and Mbako. I just think you have to 
just kind of try, yeah, just try and open the throttle and see what happens with him because I just don't think, I don't see what else, I don't see what else that you can achieve without him if you understand what I'm saying. So then, I mean, I know we want to talk a little about the women. I guess before I get to that, is this a must win this weekend? Is it's time for the Zach Osterman? Is is this a must win or or no? I don't. I, I, I no. I don't think it's a must win. I don't think you can look at a game. Kim Palm's got you. You know, a fifteen point underdog and say it's a must win. I think it is a must perform. If that makes sense, like I. Well, I, it's I, not a must win, only because they're such a far underdog. So no, more just because listen, we've seen this team never have a must win. We've seen this team as an underdog in the last two games, and it's clear that it still doesn't have the capacity to overcome that. So I don't think you can look at this game and just. But so can a can a bad team ever have a must win in the in in in, in your world as you chug a beer at <laughs> the Waterloo? This is if they want to sponsor gonna, this, and I drink way too much of this. this shotgun a beer, yeah, that's that's the whiskey's in there. We know whiskey. <laughs> Uh, whiskey and whiskey and seltzer. That's my that's my go to drink. Um, because um, then and under that formula, no bad team can have a must win. Well, because maybe because maybe it doesn't matter if you're a bad team, it doesn't matter. A I, think, I just I think that for their own this. sake, for themselves as much as anything else, I just think they need to see themselves play well. I need. To, I mean, they've lost four of six. They haven't played well in any of the four. Um. You know, it's they've been particularly poor away from home lately. I just think there's an extent to which they just kind of need to to see themselves, you know, play well, um, and sort of feel that feel that confidence again, so they can carry that into the back half of the season. I mean, that's just me. Back half of the Big Ten season. So, so is this worse? I mean, because the only other really extended losing streak that they had was was the last year, the three game. Uh, or no, they had the the five, the five game, like rank wank losing streaks for this during Mike Woodson's era. I mean, the thing is, the the problem with that is he's had three like really distinct teams, and so they're like, all just different. Yeah, because like the the first year it was like everyone's trying to figure out what this is, and again, like right. you know, he was trying to figure out I've got this more advanced system that relies on ball screens and and you know high ball actions and things like that. But I don't know if this team's really ready for that. And, you know, I think when they, when they won away and that was not a good Maryland team, but when they won away at Maryland, they'd never won there since Maryland had come into the conference and they won pretty impressively. And you kind of thought, okay, maybe they're kind of finding their feet a little bit. That was a stretch where they'd won four or five. Um, I think they, I think they'd restarted big 10 play something like six and three. And then the Illinois game at home was ugly the Northwestern game on the road, everyone was suspended. That was the one where they had the five suspended players. Michigan State on the road obviously wasn't great. And Wisconsin and Ohio State were both games they probably should have won. Um, Johnny Davis went nuts in the last, like, eight minutes of that Wisconsin game. And Indiana actually had – I want to say, like, Indiana had a lead late in that – yeah, they led 63-59 to 59 with a minute and 11 seconds left in the second half of that Ohio State game and lost it. Um but there was a lot of sort of like, is this team good? You know, is this coach good? Is everyone still figuring it out? Whatever. Then last season was just kind of like basically the one crisis point in the season, which was they got battered by Arizona without Jalen Hutchifino. They got battered by Kansas, and that was where Xavier Johnson got hurt. They won two games comfortably without Trace Jackson Davis around Christmas. And then, like, their defense was just nowhere for three games 
in that that three game losing streak. And so it was like, oh, they've lost five of seven. You know, they're they're ten and six. They're one and four in the Big Ten. This is a disaster. But then they turned that around with you know winning eight of nine, just tearing off a run where they they won at they beat Wisconsin, they won at Illinois, they beat Purdue, they won at Michigan. Um, I guess my point is it, it's felt like three very different teams because then this one is basically like the whole the whole season this year feels like it's basically been defined by we don't really know what this team is. Can Mike Woodson figure it out and put it together? And so far, obviously, the answer is no. But I think that you know if, like if they lose Saturday. I think it'll be a different kind of losing streak because it will probably just reinforce to people the idea that maybe Indiana's not going to figure that out, if that makes sense. Well, are they, are they less competitive in this this losing streak in terms of where the team's at, it looks like, a little bit? Well, definitely than last – I mean, to at least to some extent than last year. I mean, the, the Arizona and Kansas games weren't particularly close. Um, but, I mean, losing – and I guess neither was a Penn State game. Losing to Purdue the way they did, I think, is, is probably a little different. Um it's probably a little bit more reminiscent of 2022, but again, 2022 was just a different kind of team because it felt like everyone was trying to figure each other out, you know, at a, at a, at a level that everyone is this year, but not because it's a new coach, but instead because it's a new roster, that roster actually hadn't turned over a ton. Like you, you still had Trace Jackson Davis, Jordan Geronimo, race Thompson, Rob Finnessy, Trey Galloway, um, I mean, you know, Parker Stewart had transferred in that year, the, the semester before he didn't play, but like it was not nearly as new of a roster as this one, but it was a new coach and it was, you know, it was a team that was similarly offensively challenged and just trying to figure everything out was kind of a mess. So interesting. Well, do you want to switch over to the women now? Yeah, we should talk about the women. Um tied atop the Big Ten standings, 16 2 overall, seven and one, uh, tied with Iowa. Of course, Ohio State beat Iowa was that last weekend, and um, Iowa's okay. played one less Big Ten game, so technically, Ohio, or excuse me, Ohio State has played one less Big Ten game, so Ohio State is technically a half game behind in the conference standings. Um, Indiana is the women, like the men, are on a bye here, um, and I mean it's in a weird way, it, it sort of almost feels like as expected for this team for for the most part. Like I think. Obviously, there's the ugliness of the loss at Stanford in November. Um, they beat Tennessee. You know, they they pick up, I don't know, arguably a couple of decent, you know, kind of lower level non-conference wins. You if you're Indiana, you would not have wanted to lose the way you lost at Iowa, but you, you know, losing at Iowa is no real, no real crime. Um, and they've obviously backstopped that with a 23-point win against Minnesota. And then they went up and beat Purdue at Purdue. Um, you know, I mean, I, it just kind of feels like we felt we sort of felt like this season was going to be defined by the two Indiana Iowa games plus maybe one more. You didn't know if it was in Ohio State, a Maryland, or whatever. It feels like we kind of know now that it's going to be those two Iowa games, and then if I'm not mistaken, um, they only play Ohio State once. Is that right? February fourth in Columbus. I think that's the only time they play them. So it feels like it's kind of going to be a season defined you know, basically by not entirely, but substantially by the outcome of these, these two more games Indiana's got coming up at Ohio state, February 4th, Iowa and Bloomington, February 22nd. And yeah. I mean, the big question looming here is, uh, you know, we'll talk to Terry uh, tomorrow. Um, Sydney Parrish uh, was on crutches. Um, she was putting a lot less weight on her foot than, than Khalil 
Blair was the other day walking around. Um, how long will she be out? Um, you know, again, you mentioned kind of the buy that, that, that they did get some time here to sort of, um, get her some rest, but you know, if it's something serious, um, you know, that's not ideal for this team as it kind of, you know, looks to the back half of, a, of its season. So, uh, her health will be important. She's kind of really, I think, come around the last month and been sort of probably the, the second best player on the team, you know, second most productive on the team behind Mackenzie Holmes, but, um, this team is certainly capable of winning games without her. Um, I think that, you know, you saw kind of the formula is going to be leaning on those four starters. Like they're going to play like tons of minutes. Um, and, and I think Terry's okay with that. Um, you know, she's got a veteran group in that way. And, and, you know, I, I think they could play well. I mean, they could get tired out here. I mean, they've got some couple two game road trips, their first one of the season really with Maryland and Ohio state coming up. Um, so, I mean, the team could get tired out, I think, without Parrish. And, I mean, you risk maybe dropping one you don't expect outside that Iowa and Ohio State game. But this team's talented enough to win without her. But it would sure be a lot easier if they had her in the line in the starting lineup. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a couple of things. First of all, I, I hope it goes without saying. I mean, Indiana's kind of got a hold serve in these home games they've got coming up. Northwestern, Michigan State, Purdue. They'll be favored in all of them. Those are You have to start by kind of not losing those games, obviously. Um you know, Maryland is, has kind of had a, a bit of a funny season. Um, they're four and four in the conference or 12 and seven overall, but they are nine and one at home. Um, not maybe quite the, the, the vintage Maryland that, that we've seen in the big 10, the last few years. But on the other hand, you also look at it. I mean, they, you know, they lost by eight to Ohio state. They lost by five to, to Michigan state. They lost by six to Nebraska. They have not been, you know, they haven't just like been a clearly a class below. They just kind of haven't been winning some of these close games um, that they needed to maybe stay a little bit more in touch with the top end of the conference. Um, I think when we talked about either, we talked about this on a recent podcast or I talked about it with somebody else that, that Terry's actually, you know, played a slightly deeper bench this year than last year. There's been a little bit, you know, more leaning on younger players and all that, but I think she did tighten her rotation pretty substantially. Um, at Purdue with Sydney Parrish out. And that's, that's not even necessarily tightening your rotation. That's just the natural sort of contraction of your rotation. When you lose a key player, a starter, somebody's playing a lot of basketball for you, somebody you expect to play a lot of minutes. So I think that the fatigue part of it is important. And I think it is also one of those where depending upon, you know, as you said, we should know more kind of by the end of the week, but depending upon Sydney Parrish's kind of long-term injury outlook, um, you might be looking at one or two of those younger players and, and, you know, kind of saying, Hey, listen, you know, we'll do it steadily. We're not just going to throw you off, you know, into the deep end, but we're going to have to ask you to do a little bit more because we can't just roll a, you know, a, a six deep rotation all season or, or whatever. We've got to be able to protect legs because the other part of this is I, I think you can, and I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think this was kind of something Indiana was guilty of, of last year, but I do think that, you know, when you have a, a star in the conference like Kate, Caitlin Clark, and obviously Indiana has kind of been the, the the chief rival to sort of the Caitlin Clark show or the Caitlin Clark kind of you know story at Iowa these last couple of years. I think it's very easy to become tunnel vision to the idea that like your season is defined by someone else and someone else's ambitions and someone else's results. And I think that Indiana, you know, and I think Terry Moore will be fine with this and she's got an experienced roster that can handle it. But I think it's important for Indiana to keep a firm grip on the idea that, you know, the important part of this season 
is being ready for March because I think this is a team that can make some some you know whatever it's ranking right now. I think with the right matchups and a fair win, this is a very dangerous team in March. We can talk about why in a second. But my point here is, I'm not saying you sacrifice the Big Ten, but but you also kind of look at it and say, especially if you start to have some some issues with injuries or you know you do have to play some younger players through some mistakes, whatever. You know, don't look at this and say. We've got to pull out every stop and strain every sinew just to beat Caitlin Clark. Worry about your own ambitions, your own strengths, and making sure that you're taking care of yourself to be ready for the most important uh, part of the season, which is March. Yeah, and I agree. And, you know, they've done a good job. I mean, they've rolled out uh, Mackenzie Holmes, particularly in the first half is kind of how they've done it. They try to get her about, you know, four to five minutes of rest um, and then, you know, ready to play her, you know, all 20 if needed. Uh, in the second half, I mean, Lily Meister's given them some quality minutes off the bench. Um, she's kind of, um, you know, obviously been sort of the depth there for for Holmes, and so I would I would expect that to continue where they try, especially in the first half, to give them um, some, you know, those starters some uh, some rest. I mean, Yarden Garzone, Yarden Garzone has been the uh, sort of Malik Renew in terms of foul trouble recently. Um, so she's had to go to the bench for, for stretches, but, um, yeah, I get your point. I mean, you can't just have them play 40 minutes and then tire them out, you know, with a week to go before the big 10 tournament. But at the same time, this is a, a group that, you know, wants to win that, that, that values sort of, um, you know, playing its best uh, on a, on a, on a game by game basis. So I don't, I don't think this team wants to sort of take the, their foot off the pedal um, at all. And so, you know, you kind of get the sense that this team wants to, you know, build the momentum back that they had during that 14 game win streak. Cause I think they are, you know, I know you don't want to define it by the Iowa loss, but I think the way that they lost to Stanford and Iowa bothered Terry and bothered the players that they just didn't look competitive at times. And they looked like a, a, a like they, they weren't playing very good team basketball at times. Um, and so I think they want to make sure they're playing their best, when they face Iowa again at Assembly Hall, when they get to that Big Ten tournament, I think the key is basically just kind of like make sure you're running your own race. Like I guess that that's what I'm trying to say is like just make sure you're not chasing someone else's. As long as kind of the the focus is just on you know whatever is kind of the most important thing for you, you know, results can be the natural byproduct of that. But just make sure you are kind of running your own race at this time of year and not feeling like you're chasing you know what Iowa did on the scoreboard or you know, listen, give them credit. They are where they are for a reason, what Ohio State's been doing. Um, because again, I think, I mean, you know, I, I the the points about um, the Stanford and Iowa games are, are totally fair. Um, the flip side is, you know, there's a lot of reason, I think, to believe this team's got a good formula for March. They've got really experienced guard play. If they can get Sydney Parish healthy in particular, they've got good, you know, probably as good a size as just about anybody in the country. Um, you know, they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in America. And that's not just been at home. Like they've shot the ball well, even away from Assembly Hall. So you you feel like they could replicate that if they needed to go on the road to a neutral environment in the Sweet 16 or something. But they're not solely reliant on the three. They've also got one of the best and most productive post players in the country. So you you kind of have you have good offensive balance. You have good size. If you can stay healthy, get healthy, et cetera, you've got some good depth. Um, and you've got experience, tough experience guards. Like the, Those are things that tend to play well in the postseason, obviously. And so I just think this is, like I said, I, I don't think it's about 
you know, just completely blocking out everything. I think you should have your own ambitions. I think you should pursue them. I just think it's it's sometimes, and I've seen this on on the men's and the women's side before, when you have this player who is just so good, you know, if you're a team that's competing with that player's team to, to win the conference, it, it almost feels like you wind up kind of chasing them rather than your own ambitions, if you understand what I'm saying. And I think that's yeah, that's I where it, you, I think the key for Indiana is just just you know stay focused. On I just meant doing. what it felt like in the fallout of that is what it what the, I think the the disappointment wasn't losing to Caitlin Clark. Uh, it was more just we played disjointed basketball against a really good team, and for the second yeah. time here, and did not look competitive. And you know that's not what we want to show people, whether that's the committee or fans and, and nobody. Um, you know, they stayed in that locker room for a very long time after that Iowa game. Um, and, and Terry, you know, sort of, uh, basically led kind of a players led meeting where she, you know, said, how do, how do we fix this? What do we got to do? It's on you guys. Um, so now I, th- I think the you mentioned kind of the, the Ohio state game, I think will be a good test for this team. Um, t- to be honest, um, on, on February 4th with or without Sydney, um, this team's going to want to win that one. Cause I, I think they want to show, um, you know, that that they're they're in a class of its own with Iowa, whether you know they are I think that's important. No, I think that's fair. Um and but, but again, I just I think that like I think last season there was so much focus on winning the Big Ten. And I think that was understandable because that was something this program had never done before. You know, it it had had some successful seasons in recent years, been to Sweet Sixteens, been to the Elite Eight. Um you know, if, if you really just, if we are just tallying up all of Indiana's success across the last whatever number of, of decades, it had won a Big Ten tournament before. It had never won the Big Ten in the regular season. And that that just felt like such a meaningful thing. And that felt, you know, in the end, a little bit like what that team wound up chasing for better or worse. And that's obviously also colored by, you know, uh, almost a coin flip game against Miami. I mean, if they win that game and they get to the next weekend, who knows what happens? So it's really easy to kind of say, oh, they... They put it all into winning the Big Ten, and they weren't ready for the NCAA tournament. But like, if a couple things bounce differently in that Miami game, and they win that game, then we're not saying that. We're not saying, oh, they they just let the season be defined by winning the Big Ten, and and they kind of punted everything after that. But I do think that you know that team had that as as a, a goal in mind at a level beyond just sort of like, well, you know, this should be our goal every year. Start by winning the conference because it had never done that before. I think this team should have every right, even without Grace Berger in part because of a, the improvement of some players and B the fact that there may be a little bit more depth and experience on that bench. You know, Lily Meister is a, a good example of a player that got some minutes last year. I think has expanded her role a little bit this year, even kind of behind, you know, some veterans. Um, but I think this team has every right to think it can make a, a a run in March. You know, if it and and I again, I take your point about the the nature of the Stanford and Iowa defeats, and maybe feeling like there's got to be some measure of atoning for those, whether publicly or privately. But I just think that this team has, I think this team has a lot of the ingredients for a successful NCAA tournament run, provided you know some favorable matchups, which frankly almost everyone needs in, in pretty much any year. Um, and I don't think they need to necessarily be consumed by, you know, basically just out sprinting Caitlin Clark, for lack of a better way of putting it. And I don't think I don't think they are. I'm just saying, like, I think I don't want to, you know, no, I, I don't want to. I don't want to leave them out. Do you think Sunday against Northwestern is a must win? 
I just told you, I think every one of these home games is every one. <laughs> now, I mean, obviously, I mean, where's Northwestern? Like Northwestern obviously is not uh Northwestern is two and five. In the Seven conference. and eleven, two and five in the conference. It's, yeah. It is a must win because you just can't be losing these games. But um no, I mean I the point is it's all in their hands. And you know the conference is is gonna give them every opportunity to add the kind of wins they're gonna need, obviously, for you know, for for favorable NCAA tournament seating and you know, as things stand, they might well be on pace for to host again this um, uh, first two rounds this year. Um, I just think it's it's all about kind of how focused they can stay on themselves, and and because it because even if you are focused on yourself, the other thing is like what can happen is the environment around you becomes so overwhelmed with Caitlin Clark and all the kid that, that it it it's hard to maybe feel like you've got your own airspace. But I think this team's good enough to create its own airspace if it's if it's doing well and playing. It's got the oxygen it needs. Yes. Yes. Airspace. To, to, to airspace. <laughs> Caitlin Clark is stealing all the oxygen. That's that's that. It's, she's just that. This is Top Gun Maverick. Caitlin Clark is the is the is the target at the bottom of the valley, um, <laughs> or something. I'm not really sure. I, I think I've lost this metaphor. Yes, for sure. Um, let's leave it there for now. Uh, we, we will gear up some football in the next couple weeks. Um, it is in, in fairness, spring camp's not going to start till after spring break. So w- there's no real rush there, but, uh, for now for the Annapolis star, for the Winton Herald times, he's Mike Nyes. Like I'm Zach Osterman. This has been mind your banners for January 25th, 2024. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.